listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. I'm your host, Clark Rockfall, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. Thank you to everyone listening via your favorite podcast player, as well as those streaming over ACB Radio and the ACB Media Network. If you'd like to learn more about ACB, please visit www.acb.org. You can find out information about our community events, as well as how to become a member. On today's podcast, I'm joined by ACB President Dan Spoon. Dan, how are you doing today? Uh, Wonderful, Clark. Glad to be here. That's great. Always glad to have you back here on the Advocacy Update podcast. And Dan, this week we are talking about something near and dear to all of ACB, and that is voting. Most certainly, Clark. And, uh, you know, last year we had a wonderful virtual convention, but what we were not able to do was actually uh, vote inside of our organization. We had uh, five board of directors positions and three board of publication directors positions that were going to be up for election in 2020. And we had to delay those due to our constitution and bylaws, which really did not allow for us to wait to a way to vote remotely. Uh, But uh, you know, we we put a ad hoc voting task force uh, committee together, chaired by Pat Sheehan and co-chaired by Jeff Tom, with really the idea that you know one of the fundamentals inside of ACB is our democratic process, and and that is having our elections each and every year. So the challenge from the ACB Board of Directors to the Voting Task Force was please figure out a way that we can vote at this year's virtual convention. And uh, the team really went to work, uh, I think had five meetings over three months and really came back with an excellent recommendation at our ACB Board of Directors meeting at the DC Leadership Conference on February 20th, and the board adopted uh, the recommendations of the voting task force. So love to hear more from Pat and Connie uh, about what they were able to uh, to put together. And I really want to thank the uh, ad hoc task force for all of their hard work. And I, I know our membership is really looking forward to having the ability to do elections this year. And let's back up a moment. So sure. we've had so many voting conversations on the, the advocacy update. Um, we've even added a new voting page, acb.org slash voting to the ACB website. Uh, but that's always been focused on the democratic process in our nation, whether that's federal elections, state and local elections. Obviously, there was a, a big presidential and general elections last year in 2020. But today here, we're talking about voting within ACB. Why is voting so important inside ACB to the, the work and the vibrancy of our organization? Well, thank you, Clark. It, it really it is a fundamental tenet of our organization that we are a democratic organization that has, uh, as one of its core pillars, the ability for each individual to have a secret and, and secure vote for our elections, which typically consists of our, depending on, on the year, 
We have officer elections are on all the odd years, so we'll have officer election this year. And then half the board of directors, uh, we have 10 board of directors positions, and those uh, five are elected each of the even years. And then uh, we have the board of publications, which has three two-year terms, and those are on the uh, even years typically. And so by uh, kind of pushing out our elections last year, this year we're going to have five officers, five board of directors, and 13 board of publication directors. So we're going to have 13 elections this year. Um, we did decide this year to kind of limit um, limit the changes to, to the Constitution and bylaws uh, because we were worried of, of really changing the Constitution too much in a, in a special situation, which this is with uh, the D.C. Um, the District of Columbia, which is where ACB is incorporated, the mayor allowed really a special exception through the nonprofit code uh, to allow us to have virtual elections. In the past, our elections have always been in person at our convention, which is really our annual meeting. So part of our bylaws is that elections will be held each year at the annual meeting. And it's just, it's fundamental to who we are as an organization. So, and I think our membership is very excited about the ability to have elections this year. And Dan, we were still able to vote on some things last year um, during the conference and convention, correct? Like the, the, the board was still able to function in, in some of their tasks and responsibilities and as an organization, we were able to still have a, albeit modified, resolution process where resolutions were adopted by the ACB board. Correct, Clark. Our, our constitution allows not only for resolutions to be passed at our annual business meeting, but also at our ACB board of directors meetings. So we took advantage of that uh, ability within our constitution and bylaws and had our resolutions committee work through a series of community events uh, after our convention uh, to receive and process multiple resolutions. And I think at the end of the day, we had about 15 or 16 resolutions that passed through the resolutions committee after some debate and input from our membership and committees. And then those went on to our ACB board of directors in August for a special uh, a special meeting just to vote on our resolutions. And so uh, I think that was a, a good process. We'll, we'll work with uh, Gabe, uh, Gabe Griffith and team and, and tweak it a little bit for this year. But I think uh, it worked very well in an in virtual environment. I believe we're going to, uh, to replicate that process again this year. Well, if nothing else, it was a, a flexible and innovative process, uh, keeping with our ACB core values. Most certainly. If nothing else, this, these last year and a half have taught us all about flexibility uh, and respect and collaboration, all of the, and initiative. Many of those core values have come into play. And Dan, as you mentioned, uh, uh, the the ACB leadership and the board established this ad hoc voting task force. We are joined today by the chair of the voting task force, Pat Sheehan, as well as a member of the voting task force, Connie Sims. So Pat, how are you doing today? 
I am doing great today. It's good to be here. Thank you. And so Connie. I'm doing good. Well, welcome to you both. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Oh, great to be here. Thanks. Pat, I'll start with you. What were what were some of your initial thoughts as you em- you embarked on uh, leading this task force? Well, I guess the first thought I had was, oh, no, uh, we had tried to do this before, uh, but we didn't have the same ability to, to, uh, to, to make it work as we did this time. As Dan said earlier, um, because of the special situation of the pandemic, uh, there has been a change to the D.C. code, which allows for a remote voting during the pandemic. So we are taking um, we're taking uh, that into effect, and, and uh, we're going to be able to do remote voting this year uh, and not violate our constitution, and that's good. When 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 uh, I talked to Dan about it, and and uh, I started putting names together, I wanted to put together a committee that had some of the experience of the past. So, of course, Jeff Tom is on it, and uh, we had worked together on remote voting before. I also wanted to put on there some um, folks that knew uh, about the Constitution and bylaws, uh, could could uh, give me some advice in that area. I wasn't well, really well-versed in that area. <clears throat> some folks that knew um, about the voting systems, um, the ones that uh, had some experience either uh, putting software, uh, working with software systems or manual systems. And then I wanted to put some people there that could give me, could give advice uh, as far as, you know, outreaches. How do we get the word out? Uh, and so those were the three main topic areas that I thought we had to cover. Um, I'd like to, and and I'll tell you just overall with this committee, I was just uh, task force. I was just really, really pleased with uh, how everyone worked together. You're never quite sure when you're putting the ta- a task force of 18 people together uh, how the chemistry is going to go. And the chemistry with this task force was just wonderful. Everyone contributed. Uh, everyone was focused on the issue. Uh, they, it was just a joy to, to work with. Uh, special thanks to Connie, by the way for not only working on the outreach, but running through ideas with me um, back and forth and, and uh, <clears throat> keeping me straight and um, <clears throat> helping move the, the process forward. Let me run through the names of the folks on this task force because I'm really proud of the, of the task force and the people that run it. Uh, Jeff Tom uh, is uh, co-chair, uh, and he did a lot of work um, a few years ago on this. Well, Burley... Ray Campbell brought a lot of expertise as far as the Constitution, which I really appreciated. Brian Charlson, who um, was chairing the nominating committee this year, uh, Brian's just excellent as far as the knowledge and the process that he brought forward. Michael Garrett, Maria Hansen, we had two Marias, Maria Hansen and Maria Christick. We call them Maria H and Maria K. Uh, they had experience on. Uh, uh, it's the vote now system that we <clears throat> have adopted and have, have used it before. So software-wise, they were a huge help to give us not only how did the system work in real time, but also um, uh, the you know their experience in that system. Uh, John Huffman, of course, Constitution and Bylaws. 
Maria Christic, as I said, John McCann, once again, giving us uh, expertise in constitutional bylaws, Rick Morin, Matt Selm, who gave us a lot of good information as far as uh, the, the software and how that worked, Connie, of course, and then on the staff, we had Eric, Dan Spoon, Nancy, who did a fabulous job. Dan, I think you'll, you'll be talking about her in a little bit. And Clark, you were there. Thank you for all your work. And Kelly. And uh, just a great group of people. <clears throat> I think that as uh, Dan is sort of... And then we also had Rick Morin from a, from a technology yeah, I standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Did I? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I thought I'd mention Rick. Um, and uh, as Dan had said earlier, um, the system that we looked at <clears throat> had a few uh, requirements for that system. One is that um, we wanted to make sure that we kept uh, the election process as close to what we're used to. We didn't, we weren't changing anything in the constitution. We wanted to keep the, the uh, system that we have moving forward to um, as close to what we have done in the past as possible. We needed the system to be uh, accessible. Of course, we needed to work uh, on the PC um, on PCs with Macs, uh, the current system will also work on uh, iOS and Android devices, <clears throat> and the system had to be um, uh, had to be um, uh, have a phone access to it, so that if individuals weren't able to use the, the uh, PC, <clears throat> that they would be able to utilize the phone, uh, dial in, uh, or get. Uh, phone um, act or to have assisted phone access. And so the, the current system that we have adopted has all, has all those characteristics. Um, I think those were the main, main issues, the main areas that we were um, working with, uh, with respect to the system. So Dan, in previous conventions for, for folks who may not, have not attended. How did did ACB conduct voting in the past? Sure. So for our elections, that has always been something we've done the last full day of the convention. And it's really uh, that last day, whether it be a Thursday or a Friday, depending on the convention schedule, is dedicated to elections, mostly all voting type of activities. There are a few resolutions that may happen earlier in the week, but it's truly typically a time where we do not only our elections, but also our resolutions. And voting is unique inside of ACB, and I think this is probably a good time to kind of explain that maybe um, for clarification for our newer members. We've had a lot of new folks that have joined ACB this year that really have never had an opportunity to participate in an in-person convention and see the voting process in action. So there's really two major components that make up our voting. One is the individual vote. So in past years, any member in good standing that's at our convention, typically on their badge, they have an orange dot, then each of those individuals get to vote with a secret paper ballot. Uh, and that is passed out throughout the uh, general session. And each person kind of tears off a corner, one corner for candidate A, two corners for candidate B. 
three corners for a candidate C. We haven't had more than four people run, so I don't know what would happen to us if we got to five or six candidates, but we haven't had that problem. And and so that's kind of how the individual vote has worked. And then as the individual vote is being collected and counted, the second part of the election happens, which is the affiliate roll call vote. So each affiliate uh, gets 20 get, for each 25 members gets one vote uh, that they can use that is a separate affiliate vote from the individual vote so if uh, we'll use Connie's uh, organization for example so if Connie uh, in South Dakota had 63 members then they would get three votes they would get a vote for each of the 25 uh, so that would take them up to 50 and then any portion that's greater than 50 percent so 63 members would get them three votes so in South Dakota would have three votes that they could vote however they wish they could vote all for candidate A all for candidate B or they could split them up till half votes they could go one and a half for candidate A and one and a half for candidate B and so the affiliates through all kinds of different manners and mechanisms decide how they want to split their affiliate vote. Some vote in block and maybe all their votes for one candidate. Some split their votes. Uh, but those two, two pieces then, the affiliate vote and the individual member vote, get added together. And those, after they're added together, is the co complete uh, vote tally and whoever has the most votes win. Uh, if we're doing constitutional amendments, those require a two-thirds vote, but for elections, we just require that somebody get 50 votes plus one. So if there are three candidates and they split uh, 40, 31, and 29, then the top two would have a runoff, and then with that runoff, one would then receive more than 50 votes. So that's typically how our elections work, and we wanted to keep that same process in place this year with our virtual convention. Uh, with the exception of the course, the fact that we do not have a paper ballot, so we have to come up with a different way to to actually um, you know count that uh, individual vote. But the affiliate vote uh, will happen basically the same way it's always happened. Each each affiliate assigns a delegate and an alternate delegate at the uh, beginning of the convention. And then those individuals will be in a separate Zoom room and we will do a roll call vote where we start with Alabama and go all the way through the end of the special interest affiliates. And each affiliate will get to call out their votes for the appropriate candidate. And then that will get added in to the vote now vote, which is how we're going to do the tally of the individual votes. So. Um, the math and the process should work the same as it's worked in past elections. Uh, the only difference is we're going to be doing it virtually. And Connie, as an affiliate president and an, an ACB member, um, I guess share with us your perspective on the voting process. So Dan just outlined the process as it has been conducted in the past for in-person voting at the convention, um, but now we're going to be able to reach uh, many more individual members throughout this voting process. Is that is that exciting to you? What are your What are your thoughts about that? Really exciting to me, Clark. It's um, 
you know, I have so many members that don't go to conventions and stuff and knowing that they're going to be able to do this virtually, I think this is going to be awesome. Um, you know, like Dan was really close to what, you know, membership we have, we have 65 this year. And, uh, so it's exciting that most of them who never have gone to a convention, um, have never been able to vote, um, is, are going to be able to do that. And it's just really exciting. I mean, I'm really, um, doing articles for their, for our newsletter, for emails, really reaching out to my members and really encouraging them to participate, um, to do this. Cause I think it's so exciting. And, and then doing being able to do the affiliate stuff, I think is great. You know, we're going to have some special room for, um, the delegate and the, um, assistant delegate, alternate delegate, and explaining all of that is just huge. Um, you know, Dan and Pat talked to the, the state and special affiliate presidents, and, you know, they're willing to go out and just talk to the affiliates separately if they want to, us to come out. And I think it's just going to be such a learning thing because we have so many new members. I mean, even South Dakota has brand new members that we've never had before. So I think this is just an exciting thing for new members to come in and be able to learn this and have this opportunity right away. And Connie, Pat mentioned the, the importance of any system that we adopt being accessible. Um, so Dan outlined how in the past we use the, the paper ballots and tear the corners. Now with this vote now system, uh, we have computer access. So is it, is it good enough that there's computer access? You know, thinking about you and your 65 members in South Dakota and many of our other members is, was that the only criteria that we were looking at was being able to access it via a computer or smart device? Not necessarily. We, um, we needed to make sure it was accessible for everything for, you know, I have a lot of members who don't have computers. Um, so, you know, you'll have the, the PCs, the Mac, the iOS systems, Android. And then we need to make sure that we could use for phone also. So if you're not able to use a computer or don't have a computer, you'll be able to call in. And Vote Now will have volunteers or their workers take all of the calls and everyone will be given a code to use throughout the whole week. And you have that code and you're able to vote over the phone. So it will be really helpful for the people who don't have computers. And, you know, we're going to have probably at least 30 minutes between um, each election. So it is a huge turnaround, fast turnaround time for us to be able to have all the elections throughout the week. But yeah, it's, it's really the phone was huge. And that's especially for, us in South Dakota, I mean, I have so many members that don't have computers. So this is such a huge thing. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. One of the things that Connie just brought up that's so going to be so critical, and, and, I, and I think it would be the ask. And I think, Dan, you would agree with me on this, is if we can, uh, as many email addresses as we can possibly get, uh, that would be great because then we can mail the code out to the individuals, as Dan said, we're going to have 13 elections during the week, uh, mon- well, probably one each day and then a whole pile of them on Friday. But um, uh, if we can mail out your access code to vote now, 
that would be great. Dan, you want to talk about um, Nancy's role and what she'll be doing as far as assisting on, you know, if we need things in alternative formats? Sure. Be happy to, Pat. And, and one thing I'll say, please turn in those email addresses when you, uh, you know, turn in your membership for this year. Because even if somebody's not comfortable voting electronically through their computer, if they're just comfortable receiving an email, then with that email, we can send you out your code. You'll get it. It'll be in accessible format you know, with your screen reader or your low vision magnifying device. And that way, you'll have your code. And then even if you want to vote through the phone, which there's two ways you can vote through the phone, you can either push one for Connie Sims or two for Pat Sheehan, or you can even wait for an operator to get on the phone and, and give you some assistance in voting. But if you've got that email, it's going to be so easy for us to send you your your six-digit voting code. So you'll have that, which will not change. So once you've got it, you'll have it for the entire week. Um, But to answer your question, Pat, around uh, the role of Nancy Becker, who's our chief financial officer, and again, some of you may not know this if you haven't gone to conventions in the past, but Nancy is basically our supervisor of elections. She does not vote. She's Switzerland. She's in a very neutral position, and what she does is she's the one. She has basically three functions that she's going to provide throughout this contest. Uh, The first is she's going to be the one tallying the affiliate roll call vote and adding it to the vote from vote now. So adding those two votes together and then announcing the final vote tally. So she has that role of kind of being the aggregator of the vote and giving the announcement of the tallies. The second role that Nancy is going to play is she's our, 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 uh, I'll call it our, our person who our, our contact, our lead with Vote Now. So she will be working with Vote Now uh, to make sure that we get all the members that are in good standing out of our donor perfect database and getting all those names to Vote Now. So the emails can be sent out. And for those that are requesting a print, um, Uh, letter for their codes, she's going to work with them to make sure that those uh, codes are sent out in either Braille or large print. So that's kind of the second role that Nancy's going to provide. She's our she's our conduit. She's our contact in the vote now from ACB. Again, as our supervisors of, of election, she doesn't have a vested interest in the outcome of the elections. And then her third role will really be that of a help desk if somebody is having trouble uh, with their code, has lost their code, misplaced their code. She'll be the conduit working with Vote Now to make sure that 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 code gets distributed to the person that's having the difficulty. We're really, we're, we are uh, trying to take the utmost caution, worrying about things going through the U.S. mail to really allow a lot of time uh, to get the codes out. Our final, what they call um, uh, our day of rec- date of record for the elections is 30 days before the start of the convention, uh, which is June 16th. So anybody that's a member in good standing as of June 16th will be eligible to vote. Uh, we're probably going to send the codes out in two batches, the ones by mail or print. 
including large print and Braille. Uh, we'll probably do the most of them for the members we have in good standing maybe as of May 31st and then do the remainder as of uh, June 16th just to give us a little more time to get things through the mail. I don't know if you all experienced this over the holidays, but some things took over a month to, uh, to get to people. Uh, you know, So we're a little worried about the, the postal service. Uh, so again, that's why we're really encouraging everybody, if they can, to provide an email address. So I think that'll be the process. I, I wanted to mention one more thing real quickly, and that's we're getting started a little bit earlier this year. So Brian Charlson is our chair of the nominating committee and a member of the voting task force. And he is going to have the nominating meetings. They'll be held on Zoom and probably somewhere in that last week before the convention starts. So he's going to be working with the affiliate presidents uh, to get their representative to the nominating committee. Each affiliate is allowed to provide one uh, representative to the nominating committee. When nominating committee starts, the door is shut. No new people are allowed in, so the Zoom room will be closed. And then that group of representatives puts a slate of, um, of candidates out for each position. So they will present on opening night, uh, Sunday the 18th of uh, July uh, at opening session, they will present a slate of the 13 candidates uh, for this year's slate of elections. And then the other thing we need the affiliates to do, again, a little earlier this year than we normally do it, is we need to know their delegate and their alternate delegate, so those people that will represent them in the affiliate vote, because we want to get them panelist invites so they can be sitting in a separate Zoom room, and we don't have to have people raising hands in a, in a crowd of a 1,000 <laughs> to get recognized. So, so those are some things we're really asking the affiliates uh, and the affiliate presidents to help us with as we get ready for this year's convention. And, you know, Dan, as you, as you talked about the affiliate vote, um, we're going through the states. So you've got Alabama, uh, Arkansas, Arizona. So they each one would come up and they'd say Arab, Arizona or Alabama votes, X votes for whatever. Yes. And one right after the other. Um, you know, uh, because we didn't have it last year, uh, we've got a, probably a lot more people who for the first time. And so the affiliate vote is something that they've never run across before. Yep. Making sure that we've got the, the, you know, the nominating committee together and then you know who your delegate and alternate are going to be is important. Also with the um, uh, Board of Publications doing their uh, – and us doing caucuses in the spring, you know, if people are interested in running, uh, you know, think about it. Talk to uh, people in your affiliate, and you know we're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of new voters. So I think it'll be a good uh, opportunity for candidates to get out there and talk about what's important. But you know, without the uh, without this vote now system in place, um, we would be in pretty bad shape as far as an organization because we wouldn't have a way to really vote for officers or board members. Um, and so this is really critical. Um, a couple of enhancements that vote now has made, Connie, you said this was, um, we're able to turn around a 
a um, ballot in about 30 minutes so they can prepare new ballots. So each day as you come up to the first contested election, um, let's say it's uh, second vice president or something like that, uh, every, uh, that would be the contested election and that would be the first election being held, let's say, on Monday morning. Yeah, we're, and, yeah, go ahead, Dan. Right, right, right. Really, we're really going to, I mean, the elections are going to take place throughout the entire convention, which is something mm-hmm. we've never done before. But we just felt like with 13 elections, it's it's going to take all week to get through them. And so we truly are going to start uh, at opening session on Sunday night, where we'll we'll introduce our slate of uh, of. of uh, of candidates for each position uh, through Brian Charlson. Uh, we'll pass the standing rules of the convention that evening. And then at the at the end of the night, we will call for elections and we'll go down that slate of, uh, you know, candidates that are put up through the, through nominations. And uh, the way uh, elections work inside of ACB is anyone can be nominated from the floor. So just because, someone uh, has been has come out of the nominating committee doesn't mean you can't still run for a particular position so we will ask three times if there's any nominations for the floor as soon as we get a contested election then that will be the election that we actually vote on the next day at general session so you know like uh, pat was saying say Say all the officers ran unopposed, but we got to the first board of directors uh, election, and that one we had three candidates for. Then the next day on Monday, uh, we would have each of those candidates give their give their speeches. We're then going to allow some time uh, for uh, not probably go straight into the roll call, but give uh, the affiliates some time to caucus, and we'll we'll hear from our next presentation at general session one or two, and then we'll have the roll call vote. Uh, in between the speeches and the roll call vote, of course, the elections uh, vote now will be open where individuals can va- ca- cast their ballots. And then at the last half hour of general session that day, we'll announce the winner of that particular election and allow the winning and losing candidates to give their speeches to the general session. And then we'll go through and get the next contested election for Tuesday. And we'll go through that process uh, each day until we get to Friday. And then Friday, we will do the remainder of our elections, and we are already letting everybody know. Uh, Janet Dickelman has got some announcements planned with the convention uh, committee, but we were also going to set aside Saturday as an overflow day just in case we do not get through the elections on Friday. Uh, because each election is going to take us about an hour and 15 minutes. So depending on how many contested elections we have, it may may go into Saturday. We, we hope not, but we don't know. We've never done this before. Well, the, that we've never done this before, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so, so part of what we're, you know, we, we, but we have uh, the vote now system um, sort of to go back to uh, Maria H and Maria K um, has been used by GDY for the last five years. And they have uh, been able to really increase their voting percentages. So it's huge. This also, Connie, I think you stated that, you know, this is going to be, um, you know, the first time the entire organization really has had a chance to vote. And that's pretty exciting. 
Um, so regardless of whether you are uh, registering for convention, you're a member of the organization by the 16th of June, you are eligible to vote. And so we're, we're thinking we're going to have a lot of people voting. We kind of expect it to be perhaps a little confused, confusing uh, on Monday, let's say, mm-hmm. our first contested. But by Friday, I think we'll be experts. And uh, we have, um, you know, as Dan and Connie, you stated, uh, <clears throat> this is going to apply to the elections this year because of the special um, exception that we got. Uh, but, um, you know, we'll see what happens following this convention, but it's pretty exciting that we get, um, it's pretty exciting that we're going to be able to get, uh, so many new voters. And, uh, I think the elections this year are going to be exciting. Uh, Connie, talk to me about, we've got some more work to do as far as getting the word out planned, uh, um, talks. So, we have a lot more um, calls that we're going to be on or shows that we're going to be on. So starting March 28th, we're going to be with uh, Anthony on Sunday edition. Um, that will be the first one. And he would like to have back a couple different times um, before the elections. That will be nice. Um, we'll be with Terry on April 9th on visibilities. Um, we're doing Paul Edwards tonight on Tuesday topics. Uh, Dan and um, Pat talked to the affiliate presidents already and we are really encouraged them to reach out to their own affiliates and see if they would like us to come and visit if it's just Dan and Pat or the whole group of people that can oh, no. we just, want the you whole know gang to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, most certainly. No, it, it, yeah, I mean, yeah, the uh, it, it's good because we'll get questions about the Constitution and this. What did the you know what exactly did it say? And John McCann, John Huffman have been great at that, Ray, and all. So yeah, uh, everybody really put a lot into this, and and that's why I like having uh, members of the task force when we can to answer questions because uh, certainly people have had different experiences and there were different questions. You know, and, and we're going to have, uh, Dan's going to say something and he's probably write up with in the Braille forum for his president update and message. And we have an article for the Braille forum and it's going to be on the website. Um, all the information, the recommendations have been handed out. Um, it'll be on ACB radio, you know, websites, the um, ACB website, the, Facebook, Twitter, you know, all of the social media. So um, we're going to be working with the BOP group. So everywhere we can get information out, we're going to be sharing it. And Connie, Pat already touched on this a bit, but how important was it to the task force that this Vote Now system has already been used by an ACB affiliate? You know, that was, it really was important. We looked at three systems um, one was not accessible at all. One was accessible by computers, but no phone access. So with Vote Now and with Guide Dog users using this one and having such a wonderful experience for the last five years, this was a huge, huge thing for us to know that it's already been good. Um, we have a good relationship with them. So 
you know, it's just, it's all kind of falling into place. And it's been stated several times, but I'll just restate it again. This system is only in place for ACB's 2021 virtual convention, right? Correct. So um, according to our bylaws of ACB, we would have to, if we want to continue doing this, we would have to amend the bylaws next year in Omaha. So this year is the only time for sure that we will be using the system. We're hoping if you know everything goes well that um, we can amend the bylaws in 2022 in Omaha and then continue to do, I'm guessing we're probably gonna always have some virtual um, component to the convention and conference from now on. So we'll be able to do this system plus in-person, hopefully after 2022. And Dan, Dan, we always talk about uh, the, the hybrid environment, right? You know, there's going to be no going back to only in-person events, in-person programming. Uh, do you see a place for a, a hybrid system in ACB's voting in the future? Most certainly. We're going to have to work that out in uh, Voting Task Force 2.0, so get ready, uh, Pat and Connie. Uh, But I do believe so. I think once we do this, there will be no turning back. I think our membership will demand an opportunity to participate in the democratic process of this organization going forward. And think about it. We're going to have to figure that out. So how do we have people in person at a convention and people remote, and we want to count everybody's vote. And so it actually makes it a little bit harder than if everybody's virtual or everybody's in person when you start that, you know, kind of hybrid approach. So it's going to take some some time for us to work it out, but I have confidence in this organization that we will we will figure out how to uh, give everybody, uh, you know, a franchise to vote. Yeah, really, if you think about it, Dan, last year, we just put the convention together in six weeks. So now back when we were putting it on last week, we didn't have the chance to go out and and investigate a voting system. We just wanted to pull off a convention. Yeah, and we didn't have the D.C. code changes in place that would allow us to do it. So we had our Constitution and Bylaws Committee look last year when we decided to go virtual, and we got a unanimous vote from them that it was really against our Constitution. But the Constitution did allow for board members to stay in place uh, until their next term. But we really felt this year, I mean, if we skipped elections, then again, this year, we would have had our officers, our entire board, and our entire board of publications all up for elections in Omaha. And that that just does not feel right. Yeah. No, that would have been, yeah. And, and I think one of the things that affiliates want to think about is getting to know who the candidates are going to be. So they, we, in the past, we've had a lot of caucuses that we've had through, uh, I guess, May, June timeframe. And so either putting more of the caucuses together so that candidates can give their thoughts and ideas uh, or joining one of the uh, caucuses that we that are already set up, I think is going to be a good way for everyone to understand who's doing what and what people are thinking. And, of course, candidates page on the uh, BOP. Yes, I've, I've had an opportunity to attend the last uh, few BOP uh, 
committee meetings, and it looks like that they, they've adopted that uh, any candidate interested in running, there we're going to have candidates pages that are going to be, I think, talked about and described in the May issue of the Braille Forum uh, with the idea that there'll be a period of time for the candidates to get their information answer. I think they're going to do two questions this year for the candidates instead of four because we got so many people running, uh, but they're going to post those. They're going to give them a chance to do spots uh, that can be um, uh, played on ACB radio and the community events. Uh, they're going to have a candidates forum. I think right now they're looking at breaking it into two because we do have so many candidates. And I think those are scheduled for the uh, end of June, I believe, like the 29th and 30th of June, which will then allow the affiliates another couple of weeks for them to do their caucuses before the convention starts. So uh, I think it's going to be really a, an excellent opportunity for everybody to get to meet and, and understand the, the candidates and the folks that are seeking office uh, before we get to the elections. And I, and I think we also wanted to do a dry run maybe a week before the. Yeah, we're thinking about doing some sort of a pilot uh, vote just that we put that in the in the pricing for um, uh, for vote now. So everybody kind of gets a chance to, uh, you know, to to practice and, and try it one time before we get to doing it for the real thing. So we're practice trying to figure out the right time to do that. But yeah, right. we have that in the in the scope. Yeah. To practice and say where did, where did I put my code? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How did how do you enter this? You know, how does it go yeah. on the phone? You know, how, uh, you know, how do you goodness. put? Where do you put it? You know, you know how all those things. Are. Once right. we all do it the first time, the, the second mm-hmm. time will be so much easier. Yeah. yeah. So, Pat and Dan, if if we have this new flexible authority under mm-hmm. the emergency provisions of the the DC nonprofit code. Mm-hmm. Uh, why not just amend the bylaws and constitution right now so we have this authority going forward? Well, we have toyed with that question. You know, we kind of started with the principle that because it was a special situation this year, um, the task force had recommended that the only constitution and bylaw change we make was the one that would allow us to vote, uh, you know, not with paper ballots, but with uh, virtual um, but I, I think that's worth exploring. I, I think that's part of the conversation that, you know, maybe that'll be part of what we learn about in these phone calls and community events and all that. We could do that, but, but you know, I really wouldn't want to push anything to the membership that the membership's not really truly uh, willing to to adopt, but maybe there's a way to just modify the convention code to, to give the alternative to do that, and then that could be decided. But uh, you bring up a very good point, Clark, and we've we've had some conversations about it. And I, and I think Connie, you you said it best when we're talking about uh, your members out in South South Dakota never had a chance to vote before, you know, making sure they feel part of the convention. It's a continuation of the, what, what Dan, what you said last year is that mm-hmm. you had a lot more people over the last, over this past year be involved and, and, and with ACB uh, through the community chats and they feel connected. And this is just one way, one, one more way for them to feel connected and be engaged in, t- in the politics, you know, and, uh, have a voice in the uh, in the organization, and not only a voice, but a vote. So, 
Yeah, the the community events that you mentioned, Pat, it was a year ago that there were just two in the month of March, and now there are 90 a week, and we've crossed over 3,000 total. Uh, I guess part of this conversation has to be whether the emergency authorization um, should be used only in case of emergency or to amend all processes going forward, right? Is it, and Pat and Connie, I think the task force had that conversation, you know, should this be a a temporary fix for a temporary problem or use the current emergency authority to create a a permanent solution going forward? What do you think, Connie? Yeah, I mean, we, we did it. We did, I can't even talk. We did talk about it, um, you know, and we'd like to have it as a permanent thing going forward. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a touchy or not touchy matter, but you know, it's something that we need to look at and pursue. And that's what the task force really would like to make this more of a permanent thing. Um, we had some really good discussions on it. Yeah. And we did kind of leave at least the recommendation out of the task force was to really not change the constitution and bylaws or include the resolutions as part of this process for 2021 to kind of keep it clean and tight. Um, but uh, like I say, that, 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 that's at least the recommendation right now and what the, the board kind of approved in our recommendations. So, um, but the, the one area that you break up uh, Clark is the one area of I, I've heard conversation around because, as Pat said and Connie, if we don't if we don't change the constitution and bylaws to at least allow the option of virtual voting next year, then we will most likely uh, go back to an only voting at the convention with people in attendance next year uh, in Omaha, and then that particular group of members would have to decide if we would change the constitution and bylaws going forward. So that, that is the question. I think you, you've hit on the $64,000 question there, Clark. One of the questions that we have on the ballot too, is that we had talked about doing is having asking our members, you know, do you want this type of system going forward? Right. Um, That's one of the questions. And I also wanted to mention too, Clark, you mentioned community calls and that's one thing I forgot to mention. We are going to start doing a lot of more actual community calls and we're going to have them on different days of the week and different times of of the week and stuff too. um, It could be morning, night, afternoon. So we can get as many people reached as possible and we'll start doing that after we get done with the special shows is what we're looking at. So it it sounds like there will be multiple opportunities to engage with the voting task force, as well as to hear about the changes, read the changes in the the Braille forum and other publications, hear about them on the advocacy update, as well as ACB radio uh, and community events here throughout the spring. Uh, Connie, if folks want to learn more or get in touch with the task force, if affiliates want to get in touch with the task force and maybe have the task force speak to their affiliate directly, what can they do? Um, So I'm kind of the contact person. So they can contact me by email. And my email is koni.l 
sims, S-I-M-S, at gmail.com. Or if they want, they can give me a call also. Um, my number is 605-941-9512. But it's, I'm usually really available on email. So, again, it's Connie, K-O-N-I dot L dot Sims, S-I-M-S, at gmail.com. And contact me, and I get in contact with Pat and Dan and whoever we need to, and we go forward. Well, great. And, I, Connie, I want to thank you and Pat for as representatives of the Ad Hoc Voting Task Force for all the work that you two and the entire task force has done throughout this process and the work that you'll continue to do to educate our members and affiliates on the changes to this year's voting system. So thank you both and thank you for speaking with us here today on the Advocacy Update. Well, thank you for having me. And Dan, anything else you'd like to add before we sign off here? No, I thank thanks to Connie and to Pat and uh, Clark. Uh, excellent show. Thank you so much. And everyone, stay tuned. I'm, I'm sure we will have more voting content. And as you heard, there will be more voting content coming from other ACB communications channels. This is just a, a great way. Geez, who would have who would have thought that it, electronic voting would be so popular? Not only for our advocacy work outside of ACB, but internal to ACB as well. So again, thanks to everyone for listening. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out to us at advocacy at acb.org. And we'd be happy to get you in touch with the task force as well. So signing off here today, as we always say, keep advocating. Thanks for listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. You can reach us by emailing advocacy at acb.org. The ACB Advocacy Update is a production of the American Council of the Blind in Alexandria, Virginia. To learn more about ACB, visit us online at www.acb.org. Thank you.